It's time for JT the Brick. The business I chose, that is real. That is bleeping real right now. Why am I bringing this up? It's what I do best. I screw up five times a day before breakfast. I'm not going crazy on this one. I'm not. I'm not going crazy. Does anybody listen to me? We talk balls on sports radio. JT the Brick. I don't have notes online. I just, it's off the top of my head. The whole radio show's off the top of my head. I don't have a three-hour pre-show meeting like those other guys where the interns write the show. It's all off the top of my head. We make memories on this show for the Raider Nation. Jump on with us. Do your job. Win these games. Let's be up 10 points in the fourth quarter. Let's go in and shock the world. We are not the official show of the practice squad. I want to talk about the starters and the impact guys. We're going to put this team on the map. If this is too hardcore for you, turn the channel. Don't embarrass Bobby. Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. No half-ass effort. I bring passion and energy for every second I'm on the radio. And now, it's a tweet. Don't take it too seriously. Here's JT the Brick. JT, back with you. Good to have you. Hour number two of the show. Jason Horowitz will join us coming up next. The voice of the Raiders. We're brought to you by Modelo, proud partner of the show. I want to thank Modelo. They're also a proud partner on my new podcast on YouTube Live. Uh, so Modelo, I uh, really want to thank them for not only on this, but to get me going on YouTube, which I'm doing a couple times a week. Uh, go sign up for it, and you'll get an alert on your phone. And we do that at YouTube Live, uh, JT the Brick YT, if you're on YouTube. So please go check that out. Raiders coming off a bad loss in Chicago. I think we beat that into the ground pretty good this week. I really think we did. We talked about it a lot. It was an aggravating loss. Really a loss that no one saw coming the way they lost. I mean, you're going to win or lose. That's one thing. But the way they lost that game, completely unacceptable. And how do you go from playing so poorly to maybe needing to play your best game of the year on another road contest in Detroit on Monday Night Football? How do you turn it around? Well, you turn it around because you're a pro. You're an NFL professional and you're supposed to put a loss behind you and come back and win. And can the Raiders do it? Yeah, I think they can. But they haven't shown that they've been able to do it with this unit, with this group. They just don't play at a very high level, and I'm surprised by that on offense. But all reports are that Jimmy Garoppolo is coming back. He practiced today with him out there now at practice. That's a good sign. Unless he has a setback, he should be able to play on Monday night. And look, I don't know how many more games Jimmy G has left if he doesn't start winning. I mean, if he, doesn't, if he doesn't start winning in the next three or four games, I mean, it could be Aiden O'Connell time and Jimmy might not be back. I don't want to go down that road because I think Jimmy can go and win this game and turn the Raiders' season around. Jason Horowitz joins us from Buffalo as he's calling the game nationally tonight on the radio. That sounds like a fun gig. How are you, Jason? Good, my friend, and, 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 and it is, and, and I'm excited. And um, 2018 first overall pick. Baker Mayfield against 2018 seventh overall pick Josh Allen and man oh man of their careers taking different paths but just real quickly on your Jimmy Garoppolo thing let's you know um the Raiders are three and two with Jimmy as the starter and they are zero and two with someone else which I don't think that's unique to the Raiders I think I think that would happen in a lot of places around the league um it's just it's just it doesn't feel that they're three and two with Jimmy as the starter because every game has been so difficult to get to the finish line. So uh, I think it's a combination of all of that, and then we'll see where we go. Yeah, as the voice of the Raiders, when you see the play develop and you see that the Raiders are pretty much playing underneath, they're not taking deep shots, 
Now I think they're implored to take deep shots. And they really have to be told by the coach and the coaching, Mick Lombardi, Josh McDaniels, that, look, we don't go deep because of this, this, and this. We're not protecting long enough. The pressure's too much. We got to leave someone into chip. There's a safety over the top. Whatever it is, it's over. They have got to take deep shots because I think that's the only way they're going to get the running game open, Jason. Um. Certainly, I, I mean, there's you know all the statistics and, and evidence points to the fact that um, you know last year's team was very willing and able to take shots of 25 yards or more, and you know this year's team, for a lot of different reasons, is not, and and so that that is very evident from a statistics standpoint. Seven games into the season, it is also very evident the percentage of times that Josh Jacobs is facing. Uh, eight men in the box versus what the Raiders faced last year. Mm-hmm. So, so all of those things are very evident. And so, if the teams are going to continue to do that, um, you don't have a choice but to do something better, do something different. Uh, and so, we'll see. I, look, there's there's no question. There is frustration, aggravation, um, disappointment. You, you you can't have two of the best at their respective positions, and Josh Jacobs and um, and and Devontae Adams. And have an offense that can't score twenty points. I, I just, I, I, it's, I think it's frustrating for everyone, mm-hmm. coaches included, players included, fans obviously, uh, to see that. So I, that that you know if that doesn't change, I think your point, which we get back to from three minutes ago, that something has to change, and maybe it's seeing what Aiden O'Connell can do. You know, Jason Horowitz, voice of the Raiders, joins us. I popped into the booth with you and Lincoln at one point midway through the third quarter, and I like what you were doing. You were talking about the score and what the Raiders needed to do to get back in the game. That's very important in your job because your audience is predominantly Raider fans. And you're talking to Lincoln about, well, if they get a stop here and there's this much time on the clock and then they score, it's a two-score game. You kick a field goal. If they don't, it's a three-score game. What is that like when you're calling a game and the team that you're calling is chasing and they're far behind and you got to start thinking about what it's going to take in the middle of you calling the game to get back in the game? Oh, I mean, I just think that's all part of the game to begin with, right? Like, a, you know, the, 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 there's an old saying that says time and score, and fans know that with reference to um, the game itself because everything's predicated on time and score. And I think fans are smart enough to, to know that that's how games are broadcast these days, and they mm-hmm. think that way. End of half, end of game, um, you know, too much time is left. So, like, that's part of it. But from a broadcasting standpoint, you're always – the first thing you're always taught is time and score. Say the time, say the score, say the score, say the time. What's the down and distance? Where's the? Because you know, someone listening um, is either just tuning in or they want to know what. You can't hit someone over the head with time and score enough. And frankly, JT, I, I'm not even sure I do it enough. You know, we'll go probably three minutes into the opening drive once, and I've noticed I haven't said the score yet. Does someone not know that's the opening drive? <laughs> Which you know, it may literally be if, if there was three or four or five successful plays in a row. Clock hasn't stopped. We're only on the fifth play of the game. But someone might have just tuned in. They don't see, like you do on TV, a scorebook that says 0-0-12-07 to go in the game. So, like, that is literally my job, <laughs> is, is time and score to make sure everyone understands that. But then from a standpoint of big picture, it's just kind of ingrained in, in my nature. So, um, and, and then I would also say this with regards to um, this particular team uh, and this particular uh, last couple of years, you know, time and score have come into – conversation and question mm-hmm. um, with some of the processes and some of the, the decisions that have been made over the course of the last year and a half. So I, I think that's also part of the storyline of, of the season and the game, too. 
Jason Horowitz joins us. So the big takeaway, we spent enough time on Chicago. Uh, Detroit, you know the Detroit region pretty well. Uh, You know this football team. When you see Jared Goff, they had such a terrible game, such an awful game. It got away from them. Something Coach always talks about. We're hearing a lot of Josh McDaniel saying that this year with the Raiders is the game's getting away from them. Then they have to change the game plan to go chase the score. Well, that's what happened to Detroit and Baltimore. Three, three and outs. Baltimore gets three touchdowns. The game was over at the end of the first quarter. And I'm not making that up. It was over. So should we look at that tape, of course, of what Baltimore did so successfully? Or they have Lamar Jackson and the Raiders can't counter that and look back at all the good games that the Detroit Lions had when they were very dominant most of the year. So three things. Number one, they have Lamar Jackson. We don't have uh, anyone who can do those type of things or threaten you with the run. Uh, from a quarterback perspective, they have a complete. So that's a B. Um, their defense has a gazillion sacks, um, and I believe they are number one, two, three, something like that in sacks, and, and they're up there in turnover margin. So that's a big part of it. And then here's the other big key, JT, um, from a, from their defensive standpoint. Now this doesn't matter because they're not great red zone offense. Last week it didn't matter, but generally this weekend the Ra- the Ravens. Red zone offense has not been good, but their red zone defense is number two in the NFL. I believe they've given up four red zone touchdowns all year, um, whereas, unfortunately, as, as, as much improved as the Raiders' defense has been, now last week mm. notwithstanding, um, the, the one area that hasn't improved is touchdowns allowed in the red zone. Um, and I'm not staring at the numbers right in front of me, but I, mm. but I think – the Raiders are like giving up 75% touchdowns, something like that, uh, when the opponents get in the red zone. And so that, like, that's another thing that you add on to it, right? The red zone offensive woes and the red zone defensive woes. Um, and so, like, okay, look, it, it feels like piling on. And I know you're talking about what, like, Detroit and both, like, the Raiders and the Ravens are not anywhere close to each other at this particular moment from how they're going. So I, I, I don't think that's the game plan they could look at and say, we're going to copy that. Jason Horowitz, as we wrap it up. All right, so for you, interesting week for you. From Chicago, I met your brother and niece. That was very nice in the booth. And then you go back home, and then you go to Buffalo, and then you got to catch a plane to Detroit. That's some pretty good mileage there, a little laundry here or there. What day is laundry day at the Horowitz house? Uh, well, multiple days. We have three kids. <laughs> I do laundry a lot. I feel like I'm folding every night. Um, they uh, No, I you know I didn't even know I was coming to Buffalo until Tuesday. Um, unfortunately... Uh, the the person who was supposed to call the game, um, his uh, they had a family emergency, so I got a call Tuesday afternoon and mm-hmm. said, "Yeah, I'd love to go." And you know, we've seen the Bills early and 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 uh, you know, it's a big Thursday night game and all that stuff. So come up here and uh, fly back home tomorrow, and then fly out to Detroit on Sunday and uh, get more of that uh, Midwest deep dish pizza, and uh, and uh, we'll go from there. And hey, I'll last be back one with you in Vegas for back to back games. Yes, we got the Giants and the Jets back to back. Finally. Uh, we did it yesterday on Raiders Roundtable. We didn't surprise Lincoln, but we wrapped up the show talking about yeah. him being inducted into the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame. That is a really big deal. The granddaddy of yeah. them all. You're a broadcaster. I am. We're fans. We grew up watching that warm weather game on New Year's Day. He played in three Rose Bowls and was a great player in those games. That's a high accomplishment for Lincoln Kennedy. Oh, it's. I, I sent him a note. Um, the other day when it happened, and he and I were talking about something from when he was a rookie with the Falcons uh, last weekend at dinner, and and uh, he sent me a picture of that, and I sent him a note. Congrats! I, I, it's such a big deal, and it's such a cool honor. And you know, it, it, 
Lincoln is kind of an unassuming guy. Um, he, you know, he just commands attention because he's so big and he's such a presence. But but he is not someone that's constantly patting himself on the back and to promote. Like he's he's a very enjoyable human um, to be around on so yeah. many different levels. And I could not be happier for him. Um, I don't. I know we're in Indianapolis for New Year's Eve, and so I don't know if uh, flights or how that's going to work when the induction happens. But um, uh, around the Rose Bowl, certainly will be a, be a big deal. And there's no question. Like there's no bigger. A uh, bowl game in the history of college football, and and as I told Lincoln many times, like growing up in Michigan, I had pictures of the Washington Huskies that he was on on my wall. It was just a picture of Tyrone Wheatley running through the Washington defense. <laughs> <laughs> Tyrone Wheatley, that is a that is a name of the past. Safe travels, enjoy Buffalo. I got a lot of friends going to that game tonight. You got a good weather game up there. Is it a perfect day for football? Perfect night. Uh, it was great. It was raining all day, but the rain stopped. It's about 60 degrees, so you can't really ask for much more than that in uh, late October. Awesome. Have a great call, everybody. There he is, Jason Horowitz. We appreciate him joining us. Uh, nice to talk to him. He, he's got an opportunity when you're a broadcaster, play-by-play voice. Someone goes down. Someone has an emergency. You come off the bench, and you go call the game. So it'll be nice to hear him on the radio tonight. Raider O has been waiting. We'll get to him on the flagship of the Raiders. Go ahead, O. Hey, nice to talk to you, JT. Mm-hmm. Uh, hope, hope the guys go out and do it this weekend. You know, I'm looking for Josh to keep trying to, you know, return to what he can do and uh, make a statement in one of these games, and I think this could be the game. Um, I'm also looking to see if we can get Trey Tucker more involved. You know, that deep play where the defense got to respect Devontae, you know, mm-hmm. let's try to hit that where that ball's coming down near the end zone and either he's walking in or they respect him and Devontae's open. I think – uh, we've been doing a better job of working Michael Mayer. And so offensively, that's what I'm looking to see. And uh, I'll, I'll add on top of that, let's have the coach, you know, um, show a little more faith in the team. You know, if we're inside the opponent's 30 and it gets to even, you know, fourth and less than four, let's think about going for it sometimes. You know, I think um, it's worth a gamble right now to see if we can get a win, show the team we have faith, or at least show the fans that you got faith in the offense. But I think you hit the nail on the head that it all starts with Jimmy. So I hope he has a great game, um, starts uh, feeling more comfortable in the offense, and that it starts paying dividends. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. And that's a very respectful call that we would like to get, and we normally do get him about the coach. Instead of all the things that are happening around on social media, is to, you know, the coach now has to step out of his comfort zone because Josh McDaniels has had tremendous success as a play caller, fact, not fiction. And with this unit, this group that he has, this is not the greatest offense that he's ever called. He's got one of the best players he's ever worked with in Devontae Adams. And whatever hasn't been working, you got to be more aggressive and you got to be faster. And again, do you want to play faster or not? Again, when, when a team doesn't play faster in and out of the huddle, I've always believed they don't have confidence in the O-line. That's what Lincoln Kennedy taught me. He taught me that. I, I didn't play offensive line. I didn't play. But Lincoln said, if you're not playing fast, if you're not going no huddle, typically you don't have confidence that your offensive line can handle it. Well, I mentioned with the coach, one of the only positives were they only had two penalties in the last game. And you might say, well, they didn't tackle hard and they didn't have the right to get a lot of penalties because they didn't play ferociously. Okay. Well, they only had two penalties in that last game. Maybe that's something the Raiders can build on, cleaning up the uh, game of football and playing faster. So after a two-penalty game, Let's see if we can test the offensive line and pick up the pace.
year, this game and the Vanderbilt game, and each time it was Pisano to provide the winning margin. The Rebels win at 25-23. The Rebels are all out on the field celebrating. They are 6-1, and one, and they're going bowling in Vegas in 2023. What a ball game here at Allegiant Stadium today. You talk about growing up as a team. There are several times during the course of this game where you could have mailed it in. You could have packed it in and said... Rebels Radio, proud partner of Raisin Canes. Feeding hungry fans since 1996. The Kaniac combo, the three-finger combo. I love the box combo and the sandwich combo. The world of canes. Go to RaisinCanes.com. Find the local Raisin Canes near you. What a company. What a success story. They're hiring everything they do in the community here. I love their community outreach. They support nationally over 30,000 local organizations. Think of that number. And they can't do it alone, so you can help them out in the community at RaisinCanes.com. My friend Joe Arrigo, kind enough to join us. Great job he does locally and nationally and locally covering the two teams that I wanted to talk about today. Joe, let's start with Rebels football. Did you see this coming with the hiring of Coach Odom, or did you think it would take a little while longer for them to be this good? You know, they're coming off a five-win team. Being a five-win team last year, I was, I was optimistic, JT, that they would they would be able to turn the corner. But out of 110 players on the team, there's 55 new guys, so there's legitimately a 50% turnover rate. And what I've seen going into the season was a very winnable schedule, provided they stayed healthy. And aside from Doug Brumfeld going down early in the year, and in the play of Jaden Maiava, UNLV's been relatively healthy. And what they've done is just showed some type of grit and instinctiveness that you like to see out of football teams. And you know that as well as I do. This team has a will to win. They're not at all phased when they fall down or if they fall behind late in the game. They have a, the ability. My other showed the ability to make mm-hmm. plays happen with his legs and improvise. And it's, it's bode well for, for the team. And, I mean, to, to see them after the game and, and to get the text and the calls from players and coaches – I couldn't be happy for the for the, a great group of guys. Yeah, I think that's a quality win against a good coach who was in one of the biggest games of the year, and he should have won. I, I like I like that victory for the Rebels. It clearly got my attention. They're on a five game winning streak. Their point differential is really strong here, and where they are in the polls or where they could be in the polls. Let me ask you, Joe: Is it the offense and defensive line? Is Coach Odom building building it the right way? I know what he's doing locally in the community reaching out to all these local schools to try to find players to stay at home. But you're not going to win and have a team that's going to be sustainable without a big O-line and a defensive line that's athletic. Tell me about those two groups. Well, the O-line has gotten much better after week two. I mean, I know after week one, they kind of figured, you know, we should have beat Bryant in week two. I mean, they covered against Michigan, and that's that they did better than Minnesota a few weeks later in a rivalry game. They gave up 35, Michigan gave up over – or uh, Minnesota gave up over 50. But the O-line group got better and better, and that's because they started to run the ball and assert their dominance. Vance Feist really wanted to go out there, and he, he brought in guys and wants guys that are big, tough, nasty, and they play with an attitude. And that's, that's, those are critical parts of an offensive line. You know as well as I do, and anybody that knows football, is you build from the inside out. And they've done a great job of, of picking the guys and, and, and being very smart about who they put in, um, who they put in to start right away. And... <clears throat> And off of the off of you know the group that was last year, which really wasn't that good. The offensive line mm-hmm. last year didn't play great. The same group of guys 
Vance Vice came in and turned them around. And then Ricky Logo with the defensive line, they played perfect assignment football. One of the things I noticed last game, I was on the sideline for most of the game, and I was watching Coach Logo really closely. And what he was doing is he was looking at his play sheet and looking at the assignments. He wasn't worried necessarily about what moves they're going to hit to get to the quarterback or anything like that. He was looking at making sure they're assignment ready and play perfect assignment football. And since they started doing that, they played great. I mean, the, the, the defensive line, there's some unsung heroes on that team. Darius Johnson has played well. Um, Jalen Green has came out and played really, really well. He's a leader in the locker. Jalen Dixon, he's come out and played you know, real well. He's a leader inside the locker room. Overall, the, the, the two groups up front have done a really good job of, of kind of setting the tone. And, and Brennan Marion's offense, what it does is it confuses people. He, mm-hmm. it, it's almost like he's playing basketball on a football field. And what, he, what, what the offense does, it, it creates natural mismatches, and it makes it really easy for the quarterback mm-hmm. to make a decision and, and, and really find some type of positive play within the offense. If you can't find a positive play in the passing game, it's because you maybe didn't read something right or somebody had messed up. It's not, it's not like it's a complex offense where guys are really confused. Joe Arrigo is our guest. We'll tell you how to follow him in a moment. Joe Bishop Gorman, you know, down the block from the house when my boys went to, my son was a backup old lineman on their state championship team, and I love when they, I love when they put up the national championship years on the side of the building. Where are they now? What is the path for Bishop Gorman to remain the number one team nationally and win the undisputed national championship or the mythical national championship? Well, as we said when we talked about high school football earlier, earlier in the year, we said that Bishop Gorman had to get some help and Modern Day had to lose. That was the only team ahead of him. Well, a couple of weeks ago, St. John Bosco beat Modern Day 28 nothing. They shut him out. It was a dominant performance, and it just so happened to be, uh, you know, well, it was two weeks ago, and Gorman, Gorman was done early, and they got a chance to watch the game. And believe me when I said our the text messages coming in was nothing but excitement, but now they know the, the, the path they've set. They just have to win out, JG. If Gorman goes and wins out, they're going to be the national champions. They're fourth in school history. Mm-hmm. And you got you got to credit Brett Browner for what he's done. I mean, honestly, there was a stat going into last week's game. Out of 64 possessions, Bishop Gorman scored on 60 of those. And the average time of possession or, or plays per possession are, were 5.4. They're scoring at a historic rate. This is the best offense in high school football, and you could make the argument that it could be the best ever because they still haven't gotten Micah Apana going. He's just now starting to get healthy, and he's the running back committed to Michigan. Mm. They have they have their old linemen are three juniors and two seniors, and they're all power five guys. You the the offense is, is just loaded. Uh, Devon Rice has really taken a huge role as a Swiss Army knife. You can line him up in the backfield. You can line him up at, at receiver if you need to. He can play a little cat corner on defense. He's with the, He had the interception against Miami Central to seal the game. This Bishop Gorman team is the best team in the country. All four of their non-league games were against top 35 teams in the country. No other team in the top 10 can say that. Wow, incredible. Joe, I know you're doing a lot of work. I see it all over social media. Tell everyone where they can follow you at. We're uh, at the franchise LV. It's franchisesportsmedia.com. You can follow me at Joe Arrigo FSM. And we'll have an announcement in the next week or two about something we have special going on for the show that my business partner and I, TQ, have going on. Uh, we, have, we have a place on the strip that we're going to start shooting the show live, and we mm-hmm. have that announcement coming out next week. So be on the lookout for that. Continued success, Joe. Thank you. 
Thank you, buddy. Appreciate All you. Right. Joe Arrigo, I wanted to hear about UNLV. We don't do enough UNLV. I'd like to do more when you're winning. And look, the Raiders aren't winning now with the flagship, but we're hoping they win. We talk about the Golden Knights, UNLV basketball, big friend of the Kruger family, and I support whatever they're doing and love what's happening here in town locally, and I'd love to see Bishop Gorman get another national championship. We know that they're a mismatch for most everybody in Vegas other than Liberty or a team that steps up. I don't love that about Gorman. I'd like Gorman to play some tougher competition, but they're dominant, and we know how they run that program. They run it like a college program with their facilities and all that. But once they get this far into it and they got a chance to go undefeated and be number one nationally, that's good for Vegas. It's good for everybody, and I think it's great for those young men who are trying to play at the next level. 702-365-9200. When we come back, Johnny Katz will join us. Oh, we got him. All right. I love that. Why, why break when I have the great Johnny Katz? Who, Johnny Katz, I know you were at Billy Idol last night. I was at U2 and Gaga came out. And now I know the infrastructure of the sphere because I felt like it was going to fall down when Bono <laughs> introduced her. How about that? I saw a lot of, yeah, it's good to hear from you, uh, JT. And I knew, yeah, we were aware she was going to come out. And I saw a lot of shaky video coming out of the sphere last night when she came out on stage. Yeah. Um, yeah, what can I tell you? She, this was a, a pleasure trip for Gaga, as I understand it. Uh, she rehearsed with the band for about 30 minutes in the afternoon. I started hearing that she was definitely uh, uh, intending to perform last night. And, um, I kept track of it. I was at, the, at that point. I was committed to Idol, you know, and I'd interviewed him last week or two weeks ago. And uh, I was over there, and about the time he was singing "Rebel Yell," she was singing "Shallow" with you too. So I was <laughs> that was how it broke down. But how yeah, does what that a come great about? Moment, huh? How does that come about? Because Lady Gaga is one of the greatest entertainers in the world. So is Bono, Edge, the band. But they, they were talking about their tour manager's birthday. That's how they came together, the same tour manager, and wished yeah. him happy birthday. And then for her to come out and do that, Shallow was unbelievable, an Academy Award-winning song. And then she mm -hmm. did a couple of U2 songs, and she really felt natural there with Bono. And my wife said to me, she goes, look at how happy Bono is. You could tell that Bono was in the moment, knowing that he was performing with an equal at the highest level at the world's greatest new arena. Yeah, that was, you're right, man. She hit that high note in shallow and he, he kind of spun around he, and he put the microphone in his, in the, his waistband of his jeans and gave her a, you know, he's already standing, but gave her an ovation just for that note. Um, they, they're in the same ecosystem. You know, Gaga has performed with them at, at Benefits before about nine years or eight or nine years ago. She's been on stage with you too. She was just last week on stage at the Stones. So she's in, you know, uh, at their Hackney Diamonds, um, release party and, and sang with them there. Um, you know, I think it's just when you're, uh, when you're at that level, you, you get to perform with your, your contemporaries and that's kind of what Vegas has been, you know, over the years in the old days, even, you know, you had people jumping in on each other's shows and this is in the spirit of that. And, um, I, outside of the performance last night, I really believe that, uh, Gaga is going to give some more dates for jazz and piano over at, um, Nomad Li at, um, at Park MGM and, and paired with uh, Brian Newman in Nomad Library. Both those shows are going to be coming back. So I think she she might have been here for pleasure, but I think she met with some MGM Resorts International executives while she was here as well. Uh, Pink was on 60 Minutes, and she made national news because at the end, and my wife just saw Pink at Allegiant Stadium, and she said she'd like to do a residency in Las Vegas 
so she wouldn't have to move her stage with the acrobatics mm-hmm. and what she does. It takes so much for her to move her tour from city to city as she shoots out over the crowd and does all that tumbling and all the acrobatics. Did that pick up pace here? Because I would assume that people are bidding for artists like that. Adele, we know Jason Horowitz and, excuse me, Jason Gatsworth and the team over at Caesars mm-hmm. and how other, other companies are fighting for the greatest artists to come here. What do you well, think of you Pink look, saying that she wanted to do that? You look at, yeah, I, I agree. And Pink has been in conversation, JT, for a long time about wanting to come here. We, there was a, a strong uh, uh, conversation about her coming into Planet Hollywood mm-hmm. and the days uh, even before that, I think it was called Axis uh, Theater mm-hmm. at the time, uh, about her performing there, a residency. Uh, the thing about Pink, architecture is very important to Pink because of the way she stages her show, right? You see her at Allegiant Stadium. That's our T-Mobile Arena a few years ago before that. She needs height. She needs to be able to do aerial rigging. That's a, that's a mm. tangible need. And the place that is best suited for that is Dolby Live. Uh, Gaga's mm. done aerial inside Gold, Dolby Live at the beginning of her Enigma show, which I mentioned. She comes in on a keytar and a, and a you know, mirrored suit. Um, so if you look at it that way, she's a Live Nation performer. Live Nation is the predominant booking company in Las Vegas, and they do book inside live, uh, Dolby Live. All those things match up now. And the fact that she said that so willfully uh, on a national TV interview mm-hmm. and, and expressed that she, had, uh, she was motivated to bring something here that we've never seen makes me think that these talks are ongoing and are going to have some sort of consequence. That's just my reading of the, of the environment. But she'd kill. She would absolutely kill in Las Vegas. Pink would. All right, right, two more things. and in sales. Yeah, I agree. Johnny Katz joins us as we wrap it up. We talk entertainment with him every two weeks, and we're really leaning on you. Our audience loves this because they're out of market coming here or those in Vegas. So the two that I want to cover off on this conversation is what you're hearing about the Fountain Blue. I'm seeing some photos leak. I remember when the photos leaked inside Resorts World. I was able to get in there and see it up close, and I was walking around Resorts World about a month before the Open saying that the world has not seen anything like this. And now I look at what I'm seeing being leaked out of Fountain Blue, and it looks even bigger. I mean, what's going on with Fountain Blue on time, not on budget, because it took a long time to get it going, and how spectacular it'll be. Yeah, I kind of lost track of the budget for Fountain Blue. You know, I, was, yeah. I think we were all more interested in the timeline, <laughs> the time horizon for that place. I went to the opening of that, uh, the groundbreaking, and I think it was 07 for Fountain yeah. Blue. Um, I, what I can tell you about, what I know is they've announced that um, Post Malone's going to play their uh, New Year's dates. I think he's going to be uh, lined up for an extended engagement into 2024 in that theater. Um, I think that their opening party is going to be something special. I, I understand that Paul Ankin and an orchestra is going to help open that place uh, for a VIP event. And also Justin Timberlake. This is something that I've uh, confirmed independently of the hotel. But that's they're going to be opening in a, in a big way and be a major player. We just talked about Live Nation. They're in an exclusive booking partnership in the, in the theater mm-hmm. there. So, you know, they're, they're, when you bring in uh, that company and have that kind of uh, facility, uh, 3,800 seats. You are going to. You intend to be a major player. There's no question about it. And I, I you know, right now, Post Malone is their is their chosen, uh, you know, ticketed headliner to open the place. But I'm really eager to see what else they're gonna they're gonna book. Okay. And last one. Give me one thing you're excited about for F1, and one thing you're concerned about with a month to go. Oh, the concern is built in. It's baked in. It's it's. Um, I, I think the concern with F one for for us who live in Las Vegas is is it worth all the uh, you know jacking up our city for six months? 
can we say at the end of this it's going to be worth it? And that how that is measured remains to be seen. It needs to be incident free. It needs to be. It needs to load out quick. We need to know the, how the revenue is going to help our community. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the concern. We need to answer that question collectively. Um, I'm excited about some of the stuff I've just seen. You know, I like the the opening party uh, lineup mm-hmm. that they announced um, just this week with uh, Jay Balvin and Journey and, and Keith Urban, uh, Steve Aoki, 30 Seconds to Mars, Audra Day. They've covered a lot mm-hmm. of ground with that on uh, the opening on uh, November 15th. I like that, uh, well, I just wrote about uh, Nile Rogers and Sheik coming into Voltaire. Voltaire is going to have a lot of uh, uh, cool stuff going on inside the Venetian, the new club. So we're going to test drive, as it were, that place uh, mm-hmm. during uh, the F1 weekend. Um you know that's that's kind of that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm seeing how they can uh, present entertainment in the in the context of a, a major, uh, <laughs> not an exhibition. This was a, an impactful race in their series, so that's what I'm looking forward to. Thank you, my friend. Great to see you. I'll see you this weekend. I'm going to see Ed Sheeran. I'm going in with an open yeah. mind. I've been on the biggest tear since Coachella with ACDC, <laughs> Guns and Roses, U2 twice, Lionel Richie. Uh, leave me with Good. Ed Sheeran. How should I go in there at Allegiant with an open mind after the cancellation? I mean, he's the famous artist of Mick Jagger and Paul McCartney. He must be pretty damn oh, good. Hey, I've, yeah, I'm going to that show, too, and I've seen him live. He is he is a serious artist, Ed Sheeran. Mm-hmm. He's going to have his band with him, but he plays in that round, and that was the staging that gave him the problem with that rounded you know, uh, audio platform that he was using. But it's going to be stuck to the floor satisfactorily i'm going to be there on saturday and uh, eager to see what all the fuss is about right see you there my friend thanks for joining us as always thanks jt that's johnny Katz, and i'm sitting in there last night so real quick on this lady gaga thing if you're into music like i am it was beyond spectacular so i'm in the building last night uh thanks to a very good friend of mine who got me in we were kind of like seat fillers we were in a suite and wow i know i know that sounds cool it was, because the first time I saw you 2 we were on the floor. And I took a picture of it, and the floor was more packed this time than when I was there. We had a lot of room on the floor. This place was packed last night. And we're in a suite, and that guy, Johnny Katz, texts me and says, Gaga's coming out. And, you know, I'm not good at keeping secrets. So my wife loves Lady Gaga, and I said, Lady Gaga's coming out in like three or four songs. I could just see the look on her face went blank. And I went to tell the guys I was with. She said, don't, 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 don't ruin it for them. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And don't ruin it for them. And she came out. And when Bono introduced her, I posted that video at JT the Brick on Twitter. The whole place was shaking. I could feel it. And she came out and sang Shallow and a couple of songs with you too. And when she got off the stage, everyone looked at each other and said, do you think that'll happen again? And I said, I don't know. Not on a Wednesday night. And if you're going on Friday or Saturday, I doubt she'll come out again, but maybe she will. But that was a bucket list for me in Vegas. It's kind of nice when you get a nice surprise like that. So Lady Gaga last night at the Sphere was really cool. When we come back, we got a couple more windows here to get you on the radio. We're looking for your, not prediction, but what the Raiders need to do to wake up the offense, to give it a spark. I'm putting it all on Jimmy G. Sorry. I'm not apologizing. Devontae needs targets. Michael Mayer needs targets. Hunter Renfro, if he's here, needs targets. Jimmy G's got to play faster and get more opportunities to attack downfield.
you know, like I said, there's, I don't, if there was one thing, Sean, I think we would have, you know, already, you know, done whatever that is. Um, I think, you know, just we got to settle in on, on, you know, what we're doing, try to do it better, you know, and if we need to, you know, do less things and do them more times, then that's what we'll try to do. Um, I think just, you know, in general terms, working together and trying to, we're all the solution, you know, it's not just one player, or, you know, one thing. Um, I think all of us have a role to play in that. And, you know, I think our guys understand that, embrace the mentality that we need to have, um, you know, and, and just, you know, we've talked a lot about it, you know, it's time for us to go out and, and do it, do it better. JT is wrapping it up. Thanks to everybody who joined us today. Bobby had to thread the needle, get all these guests up here. Plus your phone calls, a very special caller coming up here. They're, all the callers are special. I appreciate everyone, but nice surprise coming up here momentarily. Uh, Mikey in Staten, Italy, who likes to bet on a lot of things. He likes to win. Mikey, you got to play on Thursday Night Football tonight? Yes. Uh, I'm just going to the old fullback. Uh, the referees like to make themselves a part of the game. I'm betting the under. Uh, it right now is hitting at 65% every Sunday night. Thursday night and Monday night game, Ooh. 64% of under the number in Vegas. So I'm going with the under. The refs call everything. They think they're the show. They don't let them play. They stall the drives and go like that. But one thing I called up for you, uh, JT, and, and hopping on this with the Raiders, and we discussed it. The first round pick, you know, you had all the crazy talk before the season started. Should we take a quarterback? And, uh, and we said, we, we were all saying, me, one of them, we got to go defense, defense, defense. But when the plays that got taken before us, mm-hmm. we had to go offensive line. We saw it this weekend with, with guys that went after our pick. There were two guys that stand out, DeWan Jones from the Browns and Jarrett Patterson from the Texans. Look like all pro tackles. But even the guys, Darnell Wright, that played against us this week, mm-hmm. manhandled our defensive line. We, we messed up again on the draft. I know you can't judge a draft for five years, but, man, we, we could have really used another blue-chip offensive lineman, and our offense would have been playing a hell of a lot better now. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate the call. Uh, look, I'm not going to fight you on the offensive line because I really support Dave Ziegler and his vision of what he's trying to do with the budget and trying to build an offensive line and build through the draft and all of that. But for two years, I was saying to go get a right tackle somewhere else just to find a veteran a serviceable veteran in his seventh, eighth, ninth year. I know they're not always available. I get it. But at the trade deadline here, they asked me on Raiders Roundtable, they asked me. I couldn't believe they asked me. I said, all right, who do you, who do you like in the trade deadline? I said, well, if the Raiders are going to be buyers, I just hope they're able to buy a right tackle for cheap. Maybe, maybe a team wants to get rid of a right tackle or thinking about it and you know, give up a fourth or a fifth, whatever it is, and go get him and then sign that guy long-term and have bookend tackles to go along with Colton Miller on the left side. I think that would be prudent and be smart long-term. But if they're going to continue to stick with this offensive line, it's up to the offensive line to get going. Now, this caller calling in now, no caller has done more for my career in general, and I have a lot of them. But Benny Jett from Detroit has been calling me from the time I started nationally 27 years ago, he's a rock star in Detroit. Everybody knows him in Detroit. He's been performing. His father owned the legendary theater there in Detroit, and he's a great friend of mine. And I'd rather interview you, Benny, than some Lions coach or insider. What is it like in Detroit today with the Lions 5-2 and two coming off that terrible loss? Well, JT, let me first, let me first say 
a great show. You've been talking music today, and that, of course, gets my attention. You know, my band, Benny and the Jets, we played with Paul Revere and the Raiders at the Las Vegas Convention Center way back in the day. And JT, Taylor Swift is not expected to be at the Lions-Raiders game, but Eminem is in town and expected to be there. Also, i got to mention, real interesting, I was on YouTube searching a, a Rod Stewart in the Faces song, and right next to it, your JT the Brick YT YouTube short came up in the news feed. So this new YouTube uh, channel you're running is going to end up being huge just because how YouTube shares the videos and what comes up next. You're talking about Detroit JT, Detroit Lions. They're, I believe they're a good team. They're coming off a bad loss, but the question is going to be, how do they respond after that loss, JT? How does the, how's the team respond? How do the fans respond? I've told you on other shows, your national show, that uh, the fans have, have embraced uh, Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions like they did in the old days to the Red Wings and the Pistons and lifted them up to an extra notch. And it's going to be real interesting to see how that all turns out Monday night. You know, Benny, the Lions have only won one playoff game since 1957. Not 1997, not 2007. So I can imagine what the city is like because this is a fan base. Those who remain Lion fans, and Detroit's a great sports town. I think it's a top three sports town in America. I've always said that from the Red Wings, the Tigers. You got Michigan football, all of that. This is a big moment. They can't take a step backwards, and the Raiders are coming in very desperate off a bad loss not too far away in Chicago, and they were humbled too. You got two teams coming off bad losses both fighting. The Raiders have more to fight for because they're trying to stay in the hunt and the Lions are trying to keep some home field advantage in the playoffs because I think the Lions are a playoff team. They can't afford to lose to the Raiders. So what's the fans saying in Detroit? How big of a night is this going to be in the downtown area near Four Field? It's going to be beyond huge, JT, but I do have a slight fear that the fickle fans are, like you watch the sports shows now here in Detroit, you watch the, the TV sports news or something, mm-hmm. and everybody's talking Red Wings. Red Wings are doing great at home. Their home record's doing great. They're selling out. There's a lot of people. Now, remember, we have the new Red Wing Arena. They call it the Little Caesar Arena, which is literally right across the street from Ford Field where the Lions play. I think the fickle fans, that's why I'm saying it's interesting to see how the team responds to this next game and the fans respond, JT. It's a must-win for the Lions. Even though they're, they're leading their division, it's still a must-win for the energy and excitement to really hold on to the rest of the season. Thanks for calling, my friend. You got the number. You can stream it live. I know you don't want to put the Raiders app on your Lions phone, but you can get it right on the app. It works beautifully. It's 3 to 5 Eastern time. And again, for this audience that's listening, thanks for everything you've done for me in my career. No one has promoted my career more than you have. I owe you everything for it. So best to Pam. I wish I was coming to Detroit, but I'll see you soon. Vice versa, JT. A great show. Thank you, Benny Jett. Uh, Go Google Benny Jett of Benny and the Jets. He's great friends with Bob Seger, Kid Rock, Ted Nugent. Everyone in Detroit knows Benny. He's been performing for a long time. Jorge, uh, joining us here as we're wrapping up the show from San Jose. What's happening? Hey, JT. Uh, great show so far. Thanks. You know, um, I can tell you a lot of my friends are looking forward to F1 in Vegas, and so you'll be getting a lot of Checo Perez fans uh, heading over there. But, you know, uh, on to the Raiders, and you know, I want to do a throwback Thursday real quick uh, as well, but... Um, 
I think we need to score three types of touchdowns uh, to win. I think that's going to be a spark. One through the air, one on the ground, and I think this is the craziest one that I have But because I'm a Raider fan. I think a Jimmy G QB sneak into the end zone is going to really show that one of his strengths. That's why we brought him in here, and so that's Mm -hmm. the reason why I put that in there. But, you know, I've been thinking a lot about uh, this Raiders versus uh, Lions and, you know, historically just how the Raiders have been better. Um, And I think what Coach McDaniels needs to do is he needs to get Josh Josh Jacobs and the O-line into a room and show them the Monday night football game with the Bo Jackson uh, in 1990. I think he needs to show Josh, uh, Josh Jacobs that, hey, you can cut just like Bo. Mm. You can run just like him. And he needs to go and t- tell the O-line, look at them. They supported him. Why not you? Tell them that. Inspire them just like in that game. Embrace mm. the shootout just like in that game where the Raiders came out and stole one. And so I think they can do that this week. And I hope they do, JT. And I hope that McDaniels able to inspire them. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. One. Appreciate you calling in. Thanks to everybody who called in today. Really liked the show today. A lot of good energy. We covered off on everything that's going on in town. We're back tomorrow. I know it's Nevada Day. There's an early game for uh, for the Golden Knights, which is a big deal there. And then we got a lot happening here. We don't uh, go on the radio until Monday from the pregame show. Q's going to be in this slot. Q's coming up next. Got a big show lined up. We'll do the pregame over from the Raiders facility, and I'll do the postgame Monday night. And Sunday we have no football, which will be good. A little golf day, a little day around the house. We'll fix her up or stuff around the house and do that college football on Saturday. Tomorrow we have a full slate of our lineup coming here. But the big thing is the Golden Knights and how they're playing. They are a global story. Hockey's a global sport. And there's a lot, of t- a lot to talk about with what they're doing there. Congratulations to the Golden Knights for this legendary start. Love the fact that the Philadelphia 76ers would not let James Harden get on the team plane. How about that? Security said no. Harden couldn't get on the plane. I love that type of party. That's great. And we got Thursday night football tonight. If you're going to watch, a great place to go watch is La Casa Cigars. That's where I go on Thursday night football. Inside, outside, beautiful patio. The cigar selection, best in town. And on top of that, got good bourbon. Got I think they got Charles Woodson's bourbon coming in there, which is going to be a big deal. Mike's a great man, and he hosts everybody there, and it's a fun time. Look at this weather. Oh, go to La Casa Cigars tonight, Thursday night football. Have a cigar inside and outside, and then live music right after the game. See you back here tomorrow, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys.